0: Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome to the Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and Rick Whitmer's across the way. Rick, hey, hey, what's up? I think we're pretty, think we're pretty well. I think it's going pretty well so far, too. <laughs> oh, super excited! Yeah, yeah, we're here to talk about marriage. That's two weeks in a row that you've put your phone up to the microphone, man. That's, what are
1: you, huh? Taking this podcast to a whole new level.
0: One one was too... That's too professional much.
1: editing right there. I, Aren't we, though? Aren't we talking about love and marriage?
0: We are. We are. You could so, never sing
1: that song today. People um, are like, what's a horse and carriage? And Love and marriage don't have to go together. Frank I, was...
0: He was on the ball. He was on something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was you just your coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was in the middle of
1: drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: okay. As always, this is going downhill fast. Oh, We're here to talk about marriage, specifically... Love and marriage. Love. Please read the Bible that you have open. In marriage. We need it. Matthew, are we starting with lust or are we starting with divorce? What? Are we starting with love or are we starting with divorce? Well, um, so I'm going
1: to hit the divorce passage next week. Next week. Um, this, this is kind of a... I mean, it's a topical, sort of a topical um, interlude um, in order to set us up for divorce. divorce. You know, I tried to, as you saw on Sunday, I really tried to make it expository in the sense that it's coming straight from the text. You know, what what does Jesus think about marriage? But um, yeah, and the divorce passage will be next week. But I think next week we have a different podcast, so we're not going to be talking about divorce.
0: No, we will be. We will be. That's the, that's the, it's a few start, weeks. Should it's, we start all over? No, we're good. We're good. We're here, we're here to talk about love and marriage. Yeah. That's where we're going to be and at. We'll talk about divorce next week. We're getting, okay, we're just a little, we're a little off right now. I, I think people can deal with that. Anyways, this is a passage <laughs> from Matthew 5.
1: Go ahead and read it, man.
0: You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Matthew five, yeah. So keep going, w- sure. I mean, do you want me to read the rest of Matthew five?
1: Dude, you're the interviewee. This is your podcast. Okay, I'm. I'm. I have no idea. It, what it we're was doing also right said,
0: <laughs> whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So there you have it. There you have it. Love, so marriage. Marriage. Is,
1: marriage is in that stuff. Yes, right. He's, he's talking about commandments um, that actually protect marriage. Yeah.
0: Um, Which would be what? What would, what would be some of those things that protect well, marriage? Well, don't commit adultery. Okay, that would be a big so one.
1: That's fa- so that's marital faithfulness. Yeah. Um, divorce, do not divorce your wife. You know, that's that's a big one for protecting marriage. And in Jesus' day... Um there were competing schools of thought among the rabbis. Um it, one of one of which was and this was um a number of people believed this. You could just divorce for anything. Yeah. Kind of like we believe today. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, she burned the dinner. You don't like it? That's okay. Get out. Just give her a certificate of divorce and move on. Yeah. And, so marriage is very highly esteemed by the Lord. Yeah. It so doesn't much really so go either of those ways.
0: Yeah. And Paul referred to it as Christ in his church.
1: Yeah, it's the, the big point, the yeah. point of it all.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned this idea of, of there's a lot of divorce that, that takes place nowadays, and that started back in really in the 60s with, I think, in the 60s, 70s, maybe 80s, I don't know, one of those decades uh, with no-fault divorce, <laughs> right? Where uh-huh. before then, before then, divorce was not— It was a lot harder to do, Yeah,
1: get obtained— now, mm-hmm. no
0: fault divorces. You can go in today and it be doesn't matter. We just don't want to by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. With no no repercussions, no really faults. It's just I don't like my spouse anymore. And no okay. one thinks about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just very normal. <clears throat> so I've I've known uh, people who have uh, gone through divorces. Um, once once the children are out of the home, that seems to be kind of a normal thing. Uh, is, is once the children are gone, then, then the parents get divorced. And it seems like the thing that was gluing this marriage together was the kids. Um, if the kids were in the house, then it was just like, whatever. Um, but now the kids are out of the house. They're like, we're, we're, we're done with this. Let's just move on and go our separate ways. How is that? How is it dangerous for, for married couples to, to put children as the center of their marriage?
1: Oh yeah, and that is super dangerous. One of one of the main reasons, if not the main reason it's dangerous, is because of how centers work. There's typically one center of a circle, mm-hmm. right? And whatever's at the center means that other things are not. And so if your kids are at the center of the marriage, that means that number one, your marriage isn't at the center of your marriage. And even more important Jesus is not at the center of your marriage. Yeah. In fact, if your marriage is at the center of your marriage, that too is very dangerous yeah. because it means that Jesus is not there. And so um, we have to get back to understanding, remembering, and actually continuing to meditate on what marriage is for or what its point is. And that is kind of like our North star, you know, so that through all the hustle and bustle of life, because no, you know, I don't think that anybody goes into marriage thinking, Hey, let's let's get to the point like you know we it's so great today you know on our honeymoon to to just be the two of us but like let's get to the point where it's all about the kids hmm. no nobody goes no one sets out for that right right and so there has to be intention involved because things don't shift downward um they they shift downward naturally like in the, in the universe, that's actually how it works. It's called the second law of thermodynamics. Yeah. Entropy happens. Like things go from order to chaos. Um, we had more genetic material, <laughs> uh, you know, back at, in the Garden of Eden than we do now. Uh, that's how DNA works is it deteriorates over time, which is by the way, another reason evolution is rubbish, um, because you have to gain genetic material, but I totally digress there and marriages (laughs) dissolve without intention, but Hmm. nothing is ever maintained accidentally. No one's check engine light ever came on because they brought in the car every 5,000 miles. It it comes on because it's been 22,000 miles and they're like, Oh, I guess that was important. Yeah. But now maybe it's too late, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So um, we have to remember that the marriage, a couple things. The marriage is about Jesus f- first, and, and that's as true on the 50th wedding anniversary as it is uh, on the wedding day. Okay? And so that means that between day one and year 50, it has to be about Jesus 365 days for 50 years. Hmm on purpose. And then, and then two, you know, family worship doesn't begin when kids come into the picture. So a husband and a wife who want their marriage to be about Jesus should be reading the Bible, praying and singing together before the kids show up Hmm. and after the kids leave. Hmm. And with the kids as many days as they're in the home in between. Okay. And then Another thing is to to take our cues from Solomon, who, uh, you know, he wrote three books in the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, and it's been said before, and rightly so, that Solomon wrote the song as a young man. Um, He wrote Proverbs in his middle age for his sons, and he wrote Ecclesiastes as an old man. And what he says in Ecclesiastes, having gone through the life of the marriage that uh, the 900 yeah. you know marriages, the, the hundreds of wives and concubines that he had, he knew a thing or two. Yeah.
0: and there's a lot of sinners in that circle.
1: There, uh, there's <laughs> and sinners sinners, a lot of sinners that's... in that circle, a lot of sinners that's <laughs> um, And he says here, and this is really instructive for us because at the end of all that, he says um, in chapter 9, verse 9, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he's given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you're going. So Solomon, far closer to the grave than he is to any other point in his life, says, listen, it is a good, it is a gift from God for you to enjoy life with the wife whom you love Mm -hmm. all the days of your life, Mm -hmm. not just at the beginning. So maintain that love. Mm. Be intentional about spending time with your spouse away from the kids, because otherwise, if it's always about the kids, just practically speaking, you won't know what to do when they're gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now, now the, the reverse side of that, uh, I think that could be just as dangerous, but doesn't lead to divorce necessarily as uh, the idea that you kind of mentioned this is that you can put your wife in the center of that circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how is that just as dangerous as putting your kids in the center of that circle? Um, because,
1: uh, idolatry is always very dangerous from a I've spiritual and material standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause if your wife is your, if it, whatever's at the center, that's your life right and I I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast but where your treasure is your heart's there also so store up treasures in heaven because in heaven things don't destroy kill or rust your wife as amazing as she is is going to die she's going to get sick she's going to get old she's going to say something unlovely to you you know like whatever the case may be um I see you rolling your eyes (laughs) And so, you know, your pla- any place, anytime we place our hope in our spouse, um, we will end up dry because our spouse is never designed mm-hmm. to fulfill us. Yeah. yeah. We are supposed to get fulfillment from our spouse, but they're not designed to be our fulfillment. Yeah. They're a gift from God. Yeah. And Proverbs is very clear on this. You know, a, a, a um, an excellent wife who can find, she's precious, far more precious than rubies. A wife is a gift from the Lord but she's not the Lord yeah. so that's the danger is yeah. that it's actually we will make shipwreck of our souls if we do that
0: yeah so i I think the one takeaway from the last four podcasts um, as you've as you've restarted the the Sermon on the mount is Christ has to be the center of everything right if we want to win in purity. Yeah. Christ is the goal, not purity. Yes. If we want our marriages to succeed, it's not dating my wife, although that's really good and we should yeah, do that. Yeah, have to do it. But it's Christ is yep. the aim. Right?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good summary. Thanks. And we needed a good summary after this the abysmal start to this podcast. Hey, no, it was great. <laughs> I was just glad I got you to laugh the way you did. That was just, that was well timed. was <laughs> I almost it was like do I swallow this now and burn my throat <laughs> I can't spit it out because it's coffee so
0: <laughs> yeah well played yeah thank you I planned it obviously Um, now uh, kind of hitting on divorce although we're saving that for next week are we I, are we saving it I guess we're not you wrote enough divorce questions I thought, for I've, a marriage sermon I thought it was I thought we were getting into divorce this week I'm, I'm sorry but Nevertheless. <laughs> so w- with divorce, obviously, comes a lot of hurt. Yeah. Right? Relationships are severed. Um, that People can be left feeling helpless um, through it all. Um, what would be your encouragement, I guess, for for those who are walking through those dark times or who may have walked through it in the past and are still feeling the pain of it?
1: The dark times of divorce? Yeah, yeah. Are,
0: are still feeling mm-hmm. the pain and the aftereffects of of those relationships.
1: Yeah. Um, I think maybe if there, if there's one big takeaway, um, for somebody going through divorce or who, who has gone through divorce and bears, um, oftentimes the shame and stigma that comes along with that. Um, you know, and like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit on next week. There are what are called lawful divorces in the sense of like lawful before God. Sure. Like, he he says it's okay in this situation, even though he never commands it. Um, and unlawful ones, divorces that were sinful, and like with all sin, we we do shame, shame can sometimes be a very helpful thing. <laughs> sure. Um, but whether but shame clung to means that Christ is not being clung to, yeah. and so whether whether there's the pain and shame of that for a, a divorce that was lawful or unlawful. Or it's just the pain of the hurt that has come with it because, you know, somebody's been divorced who, by somebody they didn't want to be divorced from. But they're the ones who who wronged you. The biggest thing you can remember is that God God's love for you does not depend on the success of your marriage. Hmm. His love for you depends on the success of a marriage that can't fail. And that's the marriage of Christ and his church. Hmm. So every wounded and divorced believer is part of the perfect spotless bread of Christ and is going to be at a marriage supper that will not end in tears. Hmm. So that that's the, that's of primary importance. Um, If you're walking through a divorce right now, currently in the church, please come and talk with us. Come talk with an elder. um, One of the pastors talk because divorce in the church is never private. Divorce is never private, no matter what. It always ripples. But in the church, especially between two believers, um, this is a very big deal. Right. And, it, and if it's not, if the elders aren't part of that process, something's already gone wrong. Hmm. Beside whatever is leading to the divorce, yeah. so th- God intends for this to be walked through with the leadership of the church, because um, He has a lot to say about it. Um, even. I mean, like I said, he does permit divorce in certain circumstances, and we're going to talk about that next week um, in a broken world. But that, but even when it's permitted, it's always going to be because of massive pain. Mm. So there's never a happy divorce, right? And so I'd say tell, tell God, tell the Father what your heart's hurt is. And when, when the, the waves of that are cresting over your soul— Tell him again. Mm-hmm. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 42 says, "All your waves and your breakers have crashed over me," and he's just in despair. And then he and then he looks forward in God's to God's faithfulness, and he says, "But I will yet again praise you, hmm. my salvation and my God." Yeah. So don't forget that that that's where God intends for you to be with whatever pain you're going through, um, in your divorce is to to tell him and then say, "I will again praise you," yeah. and then um, meditate often on the fact that your marriage's end doesn't end the end of marriage. <laughs> okay. And i say that again. Mar- your marriage's end does not end the end of marriage. In the end of marriage is the goal of marriage, the, the ultimate purpose of marriage is to tell the picture of the gospel. Hmm. And that is a purpose that can't be broken, even if your marriage is. Yeah. And that's where you need to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it'll be good to um, hear you explain that more in detail uh, this coming Sunday. So thanks for diving into it a little bit early. Yeah. Yeah. That's never, it, it, it seems like all these subjects that Christ hits on in the Sermon on the Mount are not easy ones. They're not. <laughs> like, they are not. No, he definitely goes
1: straight for the yeah, heart in, yeah. in, mul- in more ways than one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, Rick, there's, there's those in our church and maybe those outside of our church that, that are listening um, that may have uh, a husband or a wife that is an unbeliever, and, and maybe they're going through difficult times, maybe um, had some hardships over the past few years. I don't know. Uh, but as we talked about last week and and with this idea of uh lust that everybody has a worldview and so when you have a marriage that is a a wife or a husband who believes in christ and another person who doesn't there's two different worldviews taking place in this household. yeah at a minimum at a minimum (laughs) um it's pretty radical how what would be your encouragement to somebody that may be experiencing that um How would you encourage them to love their spouse, uh, to continue to point them to Christ? What would be your encouragement for somebody who's walking through that?
1: Yeah, and that's so hard, and that happens for a number of circumstances. Like sometimes um, an immature believer will marry an unbeliever knowing it's sinful, Hmm. but they do it anyway, and now that's God's will for them, like in the sense of he doesn't want them to get divorced so what are they going to do now? They realize, as especially as when the kids come along, just what a profound mistake that was, hmm. because you're talking about raising children with one person spiritually dead and one person spiritually alive. You know, I've had people in this church ask me, "Hey, you know, if I'm a tra- if I this person is a believer, but they reject the doctrines of grace, you know, they're not reformed in their understanding of salvation." do you think that I could still pursue a relationship? I counsel against that super strongly because you're getting very close to the heart of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so even among believers, when Paul says, don't be unequally yoked, he's not just talking about believers and unbelievers. He's saying, make sure you're being very, very wise in who you marry. Right. But we, you know, we do not live in a, a world where everybody always has, you know, does that or, um, Someone may have looked, you know, like a believer on the front end, and then totally gone downhill, and they've rejected the faith, but yeah. they still want to remain married. Yeah. There's just so many ways that that can come about, and Paul actually addresses it, you know, and G- you know Jesus addresses it through Paul um, in First Corinthians seven, verses twelve through sixteen. He he gets straight to the scenario you're talking about. He says, "To the rest, I say, I, not the Lord," meaning. Paul hasn't—he doesn't have a record of anything that Jesus taught about this subject while he was on earth. But make no mistake, it's Christ, you know. Mm -hmm. God is giving this revelation through Paul. This is Scripture, after all. And so— He says that that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So there's a, there, that's really instructive for us. Um, because when somebody is a believer, they're in um, the new covenant with God. They're in the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. okay, where God rules if they're living under the same roof with somebody who's not in the kingdom of heaven, that unbeliever is getting a, a generous dose of the kingdom of heavens poured all over them every single day. Yeah. They're they are danger. they're in dangerously close contact with the light. Yeah. And that's yeah. a good thing. In yeah. the kids, God is working in them um, through the believing spouse. And so for redemptive purposes, be the best husband or wife you can be. Be the most gracious. Patient Christ emulating uh, spouse possible, hmm. and remember, is you know, in every marriage, people are difficult to get along with um, at different points because we're all of us sinners. Yeah, but um, do your best to remember when your spouse is sinning against you, they are doing the only thing they know how to do. It's believers in, who are in marriages together who should expect better, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, and if you remember that your end game is not a happy marriage, even though we want that, your end game is the salvation of your spouse, so that they would be part of the bride of christ yeah. that 's a great reason to stay in a marriage and to love them even harder yeah. if, if if that were if that were possible, <laughs> you know to put it that way um, because this is you 're on a rescue mission for their soul, and God has some kind of purpose there, whatever he means by. They're holy because of you. It obviously doesn't mean they're saved, because they can yeah. only be saved by be- believing in Christ. Yeah. But there's something that's rubbing off, and they're they're under a flood of grace just by the fact that you're there. Yeah. So are your kids. And that's kind of where Peter goes in First Peter three when he says, "Wives, let your beauty not be external, um, but but through a quiet and gentle spirit, which doesn't mean, you know." Timid and cowering and whatever it gets misrepresented as. But, you know, there's a gospel impact so that uh, um, husbands who are disobedient to the word may be one without a word yeah. through the conduct of their wives.
0: Yeah. yeah. Christ, Christ, or, uh, Christ's words through Paul, I guess, in Ephesians 5 um, are not, not easy to understand um, but they're hard to apply. Um how do how do you love your wife as Christ loved the church? Um wives submit to your husbands. Um What are some practical ways, I guess, that we can we can actually uh, not actually. I'm framing. How do we lift those things out? <laughs> I guess. By the grace of God. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. How do we take those those weighty words from from Paul in Ephesians 5? And, and live those out on a daily basis. So you're, you're saying that the instruction is clear, but it's hard. Yeah.
1: It's easy to understand, but it's hard, hard to, apply. to do. Yeah. And it's hard to do because we're sinners. We're sinners. Okay. Yeah.
0: So very, yeah. Thank you for summarizing that. I just wanted to make sure I was
1: understanding. Let me answer that
0: for you now. Um, Please do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, as with every area of obedience in our Christian life, it's going to start with the normal means of grace right? Prayerful meditation on yeah. and reading of the word, faithfulness and corporate worship, partaking of the Lord's supper, praying for your spouse, praying, you know, confessing your sins, fellowshipping with other believers who are going to spur you on in that, having accountability fellowship that's going to hold you accountable for when you're not doing that. Um, th- those are important and essential for all obedience. But I think continuing to go back to, again, what is the North Star? What is marriage for? And what does Paul say marriage is for? It's about showing the the glory of Christ in the gospel in your marriage. And if if keeping that first is going to be spurring on um, the submission, the love, the respect, the sacrifice, then asking the question, how does God mean for those things to um, play out? In other words, if we understand what the main thing is, how does that function? And, you know, looking at the at three of the main things that God is doing um, with marriage is he, he actually intends for husbands and wives to be companions together. And, and we see that in Genesis 2. He created you know, marriage at the beginning so that um, in this one flesh union of companionship, these two people who are very different can together do better than they could apart. Hmm. And so companionship is one of the main reasons for marriage. Hmm. And one of the main ways that Jesus shows his love to the world through marriage. And so I'd say do a companionship inventory and say, Hey, how are, how are we doing as friends? Yeah. How are we doing as partners here? Do we enjoy each other? And if we don't, when did that stop? And what have we been doing to make sure that it's not happening? And then let's reverse course like right away and do the greatest U-turn the world has ever seen. If Donald Trump were saying it, he's going to do the greatest U-turn the world has ever seen. We're going to turn this marriage around. It's never seen anything like it. You know, <laughs> I watched a Trump GPS video. It's on my mind obviously the other day. Um, so companions, be companions, not roommates. And do, so do the things companions do. That's one of the ways that this can happen because it's a lot easier to love and sacrifice for somebody you really enjoy than somebody you can barely stand. That -hmm. doesn't mean that you have an excuse not to do it. If you are at that spot where things are really bad and you can't stand them, you still got to do it because Jesus says, love your enemies. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it would be a whole lot better to love your wife. Um, Proverbs 5, you know, we, and this was read in the service a couple of weeks ago, delight in the, rejoice in the wife of your youth. And that would go the other way around, rejoice in the husband of your youth. Nurture your marriage by nurturing your enjoyment of each other. And that goes in tandem with the companionship thing. Yeah. But one of the, and I'm going to say this, you know, from doing years of counseling and in, in marriage counseling, one of the, one of the things you can be pretty sure is not happening in a marriage where the relationship isn't. Being nurtured, is is physical intimacy isn't happening, hmm. uh, almost guaranteed, um, not with any kind of regularity. Well, that's sin. Okay, that's sin. Paul, you know, First Corinthians seven again. He says he he commands um, regular sexual intimacy, uh, and he says, "Do not abstain except for a time for prayer, and then come together again, so you won't be tempted." So oftentimes this isn't thought about this way, but it should be. And I heard this in biblical counseling training. Um, uh, Sexual intimacy in marriage is a spiritual discipline. Same as prayer and obedience to the word. Like, Because this is a matter of obedience, Mm -hmm. and that's actually by God's design. The two shall become one flesh. And so I would say um, graciously pursue that as husband and wife and seek help pastoral Help from an elder, from somebody who's spiritually mature. If if there are barriers there that aren't um, that really do need to be worked through, yes. um, that's another way that that can be played out. Um, and attack conflict when it comes up. I can't I can't hit this. One just happens to be weighing on me a lot lately. Um, Ephesians four lays out the the script for what to do with conflict. Speak the truth to one another. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Be kind to one another and get rid of angerness, bitterness, wrath, malice, clamor, and slander. Mm. Um, Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Couples that sweep conflict under the rug end up with a rug that is so high that they can't walk through the room without tripping. Mm. Or if it's big enough, they can't walk through the room. They have to go around it. Mm. And that happens in marriage. And it is is a very, very dangerous thing. And so attack conflict with honesty, timeliness, kindness, gospel-centeredness, graciousness, and do not attack each other while you're doing it. Attack what's attacking, what needs to be attacked, which is the sin. Yeah, And that's always going to start with confessing your own first, without excuse. Yeah. and And move on from there. And remember, the Holy Spirit's involved. We have everything we need in order to do that. Yeah. Christians genuinely have no reason why a marriage that is close to being shattered can't be repaired. Yeah. Because God Himself indwells both spouses.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: But it's important that both spouses realize that and take ownership, roll up their sleeves, and do the work. Yeah. But again, what's at stake? The glory of God. Yeah. And that's also the reason it's worth doing.
0: Yeah, right. Right. One more question, Rick. There's I think there's there's a stigma um uh, in in our culture that marriage is, is a a binding thing and not in a good way, but more or less mm-hmm. like a a ball and chain kind <laughs> of yeah. approach. This is you know, you just kind of do this and then you're stuck with this person and we just kind of get through life together. Um, and we lose that sense of intimacy, that, that sense of love over time. Um, how do we get past that idea of, of this is a ball and chain relationship? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. How do we get past that, that idea?
1: Well, we shouldn't joke about it. Um, (laughs) we shouldn't actually let people in the church get away with those kind of jokes. Yeah. Because the more that we mm, trivialize something, the more it will be trivial. Yeah. Um and if there's something we want to make sure that we're waging war by not trivializing, it's the glory of what marriage actually is. Yeah. Um country music sometimes gets this right. Um I one of my favorite country songs and I don't like a, a lot of country songs at this point in my life. Um, I hope my wife's not listening to this, because the other day, you know, for 4th of July, she started playing country music, and I was like, what are we doing? And she's like, it's 4th of July, it's our one day a year to play country music, and I'm like, you are such a liberal, you're just saying something that's never happened before, as if it's always been the way it is, and you're trying to, re, you know, rewrite the truth just by saying it. You can't do that. This is, like, the not the thing we do, so let's at least be honest about what's going on here. You want this to be the thing we do, but, you know, there are some good country songs, and...
0: Your favorite country uh, artist is Taylor Swift, right?
1: No. <laughs> no. And is she even doing country anymore? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, she's got some good stuff. But uh, Lone Star, from My Front Porch Looking In, do you know that song? No. It's uh, it, it's just, he says, you know, I've, I've traveled all through the world. and I've seen some of those beautiful mountains and fields and all that you can see. But the most beautiful view is from My Front Porch Looking In. Hmm that's good. (laughs) That's really good. And so it's not so much, uh, sorry guys, I have to, I have to go home now. My wife, you know, sorry guys, I gotta go home. My wife's waiting for me. I'm gonna play game with the kids, you know? And the way that we talk about those things, people will notice and they'll just be like, what, what's going on in his home that's not going on in my home? You know, and the world will see that because the world doesn't know how to have the kind of marriage that the Bible puts forward. Yeah. Sometimes they do it by accident or through common grace. We can do it by design, mm. by God's design and by His grace. So, yeah. I think that's just one of the most powerful things we can do is just, uh, <laughs> we can be very obviously enjoying marriage. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, Proverbs is filled with how awesome it is. So, and that, that can be each of our birthright yeah. as Christians in marriage.
0: Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. Thank you.
1: There's a lot of hope for the marriages in our church. Yeah. Even when they can't feel like they can't see it, that's okay. We will see it for you. So let's do it. Yeah. We could do this. Yeah. This is about the glory of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to our discussion on, on divorce next week. <laughs> um, I, I said that about lust a few weeks ago, and I don't know why that I said awkward. it. That was kind of awkward. Did you say it on the microphone? I did, yeah. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and these subjects, I, I'm not really looking forward to them, but I guess I kind of am. <laughs> They're important to talk They're about. They're important to talk about. Yeah. They're really good. And I appreciate you going through such weighty subjects on Sundays yeah. and, and here on the voice of valley so thanks for honor that. to
1: do it yeah.
0: church we hope that this has been a blessing to you and to your marriages uh we love you we look forward to being with you on sunday and next week on the voice of the valley have a great day